Good evening. This is the December 12, 2023 regular meeting of the Ren Board Commission. I am Deputy Director and Board Secretary Barbara Texador. The Commission will take public comment from members of the public present in the in-person meeting only. There is no longer an opportunity for members of the public to provide public comment remotely unless you have requested a reasonable accommodation from Ren Board staff and it has been granted prior to the start of this meeting. Members of the public. The Rent Board Commission meeting where the commissioners may be considering your case on appeal is not an interactive hearing. This will be your opportunity to address the commission and the process is designed to invite input and feedback from individuals in the community. However, the process does not allow questions to be answered in the meeting or for members of the public to engage in back and forth conversation with the commissioners. City policies along with federal state and local law prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. General procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, Please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate you may hear a timer beeping and you will be informed your time is up. We will call the meeting to order. Are, are we on the uh, televised? No, President Cooper, it is being recorded, but we will not have remote public comments, so it's not being televised. Okay, because I, I know that we're, we're not taking public uh, comments, but they're special. But did, they, did uh, the public doesn't have access to the rest of the meeting or until then? Or? Right, there's no public access to the meeting um, remotely. It would have to be in person. But the rest of the just going over the appeals and stuff like that to that's not televised. The entire meeting is not viewable online anymore. Is that with the other commissions too now? Taking their off. Unless unless they're already you it's already uh broadcast on SFGov TV, but they may have separate agreements. We've been directed to cease I knew about the public comment. I didn't realize it was taking us off the air completely. Okay. Um Reading of the uh, Ramatusha Ohlone land acknowledgement, and we go to um, Commissioner Crow. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatusha Ohlone, or the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatusha Ohlone have never ceded lost nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place, as well as for all the people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatus community by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples 
as First Peoples. Thank you. Uh, roll call, please. President Gruber. Here. President Gruber present. Commissioner Tom. Here. Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Wasserman. Commissioner Wasserman not present. Commissioner Klein. Here. Commissioner Klein present. Commissioner Mossbrucker. Here. Commissioner Mossbrucker present. Commissioner Sani. Here. Commissioner Sani present. Commissioner Chan. Here. Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Chan. Sorry. Commissioner Chan not present. Commissioner Crow. Here. Commissioner Crow present. Commissioner Hung. Commissioner Hung not present. Commissioner Haley. That's it. Commissioner Haley present. Thank you. I want to also acknowledge that the following staff members are also present. Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumis. Executive Director and Outgoing Board Secretary Christina Varner. And myself, Deputy Director and Board Secretary Barbara Texador. Craig Van Spronson is handling IT support. We will move on to item four, remarks from the public. It is now time for the first of two public comment periods this evening. The second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Members of the public, the Renford Commission meeting, where the commissioners may be considering your case on appeal, is not an interactive hearing. This will be your opportunity to address the commission and the process is designed to invite input and feedback from individuals in the community. However, the process does not allow questions to be answered in the meeting or for members of the public to engage in back and forth conversation with the commissioners. City policies along with federal, state and local law prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you, you will have six minutes. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, Please state which item you're speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comments cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff also indicate you may hear a timer beeping and you'll be informed your time is up. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time. Good evening. My name is Naeem Salome, and I'm here as the attorney for TNA Drillopis and Sons. I want to make this short public comment on appeal number AL 230070. I'm sure you've all read the appeal document, so I don't want to reiterate everything that's stated there, because that would be a waste of everyone's time. At the end of the day, my client did not get a full and fair hearing on his petition number L230578. I wanted to quickly highlight some of the reasons why the judge erred, and as a result, my client was prejudiced and why this matter is ripe for an appeal. 
First, the judge and I knew each other from the ends of court. At the hearing, the judge made no preliminary statement or warning to address the potential conflict, just like she had done during other hearings. If she had, my client would have objected, requested a further hearing date, and a different judge. Second, the judge failed to request or allow additional documents from the tenant, including fast track records, bank statements, and 2022 tax returns. This was very different from my experience with other judges for the same type of petition. Such documents would have added weight to the tenant's testimony and would have corroborated that he frequently visits his family in Vacaville. I made such a request at the hearing, but it was denied by the judge. Third, my, the judge's overall demeanor at the hearing was prejudicial to my client. Even before the recording of the hearing, the judge stated in, our, in a sarcastic tone, oh, you have an attorney or something similar. Judge also cut off my client various times while allowing the, allowing the tenants to speak endlessly. And as the hearing approached 1 p.m., the judge was clearly frustrated, stating that she had a 1 p.m. appointment that we were blowing right past it. Finally, the judge did not allow my client to cross-examine the tenants, stating the reason was because he had an attorney. Fourth, the judge didn't appropriately weigh the evidence that was presented. My client provided sworn testimony from a private investigator, a prior roommate, a current neighboring tenant, all who have nothing to gain here. Whereas the tenant provided an unsworn letter from his good friend and roommate, which included legally significant terms and a testimony from his at the hearing from his wife. Fifth, the judge overlooked the overwhelming amount of evidence from my client, including Solano County court records, voter registration, DMV records, ownership records, couchsurfing.com profile, a declaration and sublease agreement from a prior roommate, social media posts of the tenant's wives, texts, and copies of rent checks coming from the Sacramento area. Finally, the judge overlooked my client's evidence demonstrating the tenant's perjury at the hearing relating to the address stated on his license. Even the transcript excerpt included in the memorandum of appeal by the judge illustrates the tenant's perjured statements related to his license address. Clearly, there is some prejudice by the judge here. My client deserves a full and fair hearing on his petition. That's what the whole point of an appeal is for. Thank you very much for your time and consideration on this appeal. Good evening. My name is Antonio Dolopov, one of the partners of TNA Dolopov's son. I am making this short public comment on appeal number AL230070. Concerning my petition, um, L230578, I believe that my rent board hearing that took place on August 9th, 2023 was not a fair one and that the judge who heard my petition was prejudicial to, for the reasons noted in my appeal paperwork, which my attorney has highlighted here. I do not want to waste anyone's time elaborating my point, but I know that I deserve a full and fair hearing. I have also read the rent board memorandum on my appeal consideration and would like to provide a short comment. As you are aware, the tenant's roommate, Weston, stated in his unsworn letter, I have known and lived with Greg McFarland for more than 15 years and can attest to the fact he has been consistently living at 785 Valencia Street, San Francisco, during this entire time. Not only is Weston's letter not signed under penalty of perjury, but we know that we know this is an untruthful statement, given that 
former roommate Felicia provided a declaration signed under the penalty of perjury with communication from the tenant which contradicts this timeline. This is another example of how the judge erred and did not appropriately weigh the evidence that was presented. Furthermore, the tenant perjured himself at the rent board hearing regarding the address on his license. As noted in my appeal, I confirmed with the local police authorities that the tenant changed his address from Oak Street, San Francisco, to which Oak Street was in 2004, to Vacaville in 2019, which never had my apartment address. The tenant purchased a brand new vehicle and registered it with the Vacaville address in 2020-21. Also presented at the hearing was that in 2022, the tenant received a speeding ticket in Solano County and used the Vacaville address on the official paperwork. I want to thank everyone for their time and consideration of my request for an appeal. Thank you, best regards. Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comments, we will move on to the next agenda item. Okay, uh, we'll move on to item number six, consideration of appeal. Thank you. I believe we need to approve the minutes before. Oh, excuse me. We'll go to item number five. Thank you. Approval of the minutes of November 14th, 2023. Do we have any addition, subtraction, comments? I'll move to approve the minutes. I'll second. Any comment? Call for the vote. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Sani? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Tom? Stain. I wasn't here. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Crow? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Stain. Okay, we'll move on to item number six, consideration of appeals. First is item A, 785 Valencia Street. Landlord appeals the decision denying the petition seeking a rent increase under rules and regulations section 1.21 and civil code section 1954.53D of the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act. In the decision, administrative law judge determined that no rent increase was warranted because the tenant continued to permanently reside in the unit at the time the landlord's petition was filed. In the appeal, the landlord claims that the ALJ erred by failing to disclose a potential conflict of interest between her and the landlord's attorney, failing to require the submission of additional documentation from the tenant regarding fast track records and bank statements, exhibiting prejudicial conduct and demeanor towards the landlord and improperly weighing evidence and witnesses. 
I'll move to deny. Second. Any discussion? I guess the only I'm, I'm very confused about. The um, conflict of interest, because it, I don't. It seems like the landlord's attorney and members of the same class. So I don't understand how that can be prejudicial to the landlord. That's okay. All right. I didn't read that wrong. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was, I just wanted to make sure. Any other comments? Call for the vote. Deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Aye. Commissioner Asani? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Crow? Commissioner Crow? Do I get the vote on? Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry. Commissioner Haley? Aye. The um... Administrative law judges that decision stands. And uh, it is a decision that's non prejudicial. So as you go forward and more information can be gathered, uh, that uh, uh, needs to be considered coming back to us uh, uh, to make that presentation. We'll move on to item B 250 Douglas Street, Unit 10. Landlord appeals the decision denying their petition seeking a rental increase under rules and regulations section 1.21. In the decision, the administrative law judge determined that the August 1st, 2023 rent increase from $1,827.89 to $2,475 was not authorized because the landlord failed to meet their burden of proving that there was no tenant in occupancy of the unit at the time the petition was filed. Specifically, the administrative law judge found that the tenants extended physical absences during the relevant period were due to leisure travel and that his North Carolina property is only a vacation home and rental property. On appeal, the landlord claims that the unit is not the tenant's principal place of residence since it was not his usual place of return and that the administrative law judge erred by improperly giving this positive consideration to evidence that the tenant intended to occupy the unit more frequently in the future. Deny. Second. I've got a real problem with this. Um, we have an ordinance here in San Francisco that's to utilize um, our efforts and through the ordinance to, to, to stabilize and arbitrate and rent. Uh, we have an individual here who with the current economy is allowed to have residences in North Carolina, South Carolina, San Francisco, a reference to Oregon, which I didn't quite understand what that was. And uh, he has an RV. And with the dynamics of the internet, um, he's able to roam. And uh, the evidence is very, very uh, uh, apparent uh, that the apartment in San Francisco is shut down. 
yellow, the uh, refrigerator's turned off, it's left open, the furniture's covered. And so that's just a, a, a byproduct of someone um, who has the financial wherewithal to utilize the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the system that he's in uh, to, to uh, uh, basically have a, a rent controlled unit in San Francisco that, that's not here. The uh, uh, statement by the hearing officer that, that says that this was a close call was was uh, noted by me as as saying uh, what's a close call? Uh, a close call means that there, there's a, a an actual balance um, that's being weighed, and uh, what we have here is not a close call. This individual. It's not here in San Francisco, and uh, it's a uh, it, it's not the, the intent of this ordinance uh, to underwrite someone that has the money and the wherewithal um, to keep an apartment here that's not needed. And and what what the owner's actually asking for is bringing the the, the rent to market. Uh, he's not crippling it. Um, he's just bringing it to market. And actually, it's not a bad time for the tenant to be brought to market. But, uh, our rents are, are, are significantly below the market that it used to be, and and I don't find it a, uh, um, a proper use of, of our ordinance and rules and regulation. I'll also just chime in from a legal perspective. You know, we are supposed to be looking at what was the state of nature at the time the notice was served, not in the future, not what's the evidence for the future. What is the evidence? That is presented. Where did the tenant reside? Where was that tenant in occupancy? When the petition was filed on March 23rd, and I, I picked up on the same thing as president Gruber. We're calling this a close case. Okay. Maybe it is. But then the legal point that this letter, which I don't find credible at all because it was unsigned unauthenticated. I mean. Completely without any, you know, backing was it looks like based on I'm on page 14 of the decision paragraph 7. It looked like that was the tipping point in the ALJ's consideration for this close case. And I don't think that evidence should have been considered. Um, I think that. We need to be looking at what was his intention. On the date, the petition was filed and I, I think that evidence should be excluded. So I would. I would recommend that we remand for consideration without that evidence, which I don't think is proper. Thank you. But I, don't, but I have Commissioner Tom address the, um, the spirit of the ordinance and that's to provide fair housing for the people who need housing here in San Francisco. And if this kind of behavior is allowed, then people that have the wherewithal to afford uh, a get a chair or a convenient fun place in the city are going to be denying people that live here residents that that need a roof over their head a, a bathroom and a kitchen and this is just flies in the face of the spirit of the ordinance in the first place well, I would like to point out that there was substantial evidence that this remained his principal place of residence or his 
place of residence and that his personal belongings were there. He, his work is here, his medical um, team is here. He received jury summonses and his employer is here. And um, given all of that, as of the time that this petition was filed, I think it was reasonable for the ALJ to weigh all the evidence and find that he, this is still his home. And I see no reason to overturn the ALJ's decision. I mean, I would just, I, I don't think we're arguing those facts. But I would just observe that, I mean, I'm offended by some of the other cases that we've that have come before us where we similarly, in terms of the spirit of the ordinance, you know, people have second homes and are still under the ordinance protected. So I think it's something to do with, I mean, the ordinance maybe needs modification, but I think as is that you can't say that this, that the judge, you know, uses his discretion and reaching the conclusion he did given, I mean, what I just, it, there, it doesn't seem like the ordinance prohibits this, this, this situation where you have someone who's working nomadically and renting out a place for, you know, that they inherited. And I mean, we've seen this before. I mean, I do think just in response to that, um, there, you know, there are, I think this is a, a balancing act, right? And I guess my question, I do believe that this evidence of this letter is just, it should not have been considered. It's again, in violation of our rules and regulations. And because the ALJ says it's a close case, um, quote, I wonder what the ALJ would have decided had they not considered this improper evidence. And I guess that's where I sort of, I don't think that evidence is proper. I don't think it should have been admitted and I don't think it should have been part of this story. And so then I don't, I agree with you that yes, we definitely need someone to amend this so that this abuse stops happening, but we do have this this mechanism in place that allows us to, you know, in some instances, authorize a rent increase when a tenant doesn't live there anymore. And so, you know, I just, I wonder if this might be, the ALJ might come down differently and maybe not. I just don't see how like you can take this instance and you, I mean, if you have people with different lifestyles, you know, where some people, because of the pandemic has been disrupted, they're traveling around and they're, it doesn't mean that they don't, come back to SF and now people are going back into office and how you could make a, a rule that says this one's out of the, out, <laughs> out, out. And all these other ones that we that have come before us are still within it. Like it's not a, it's, I mean, I, I have yet to, I mean, I think that the only, we had a case a couple of months ago where, you know, only when the tenant had their name on a new property and had bought a house with somebody, you know, that we, and, and had everything there um, and, and acknowledged that it wasn't where they were residing, but they were just sort of running a business out of it. Like that was the only one that we've, that's, that's been found to be, you know, to have, to have come without, not within the ordinance. And so if that's the line. I don't see how this is like that. Keep in mind, we only see the appeals, right? Like there are some slam dunks that happen at the rent board, I think on a pretty regular basis, right? And yes, you have to check a certain number of boxes. I mean, I, I am not the administrative law judge. I didn't make this decision. I think this one probably checks the boxes, right? But again, I don't know. I wasn't in the hearing and I don't want to 
undo work that's been done. But I think what we can do is we can sort of use the laws that we have and the rules that we've made to say that, you know, maybe something was considered here that shouldn't have been. And then I don't know what happens because you, I wasn't there. And I didn't make the decision, but I mean, I think this one should have gone the other way, but. I, I agree on your desire to certainly move that from consideration. I don't think that it would be material enough to switch the change the Ministry of and Judge's decision from the matter. I would also like to state that I don't see the uh, attendant's property in uh, North Carolina as the residence. I do see it as a property and a source of income for them. So I, I wouldn't refute ever using the word residence for that because I think that there's been a lot of evidence that's been disputed by the private investigator uh, that the tenant has shown that that really is a property they're receiving income from. There's been a lot of contradiction in terms of that information that was presented in the initial file. Um, I agree. Uh, I think that uh, this the rent law has not taken in RVs into consideration. Yeah. And I don't think it's for us to expand or contract the law to take it into line like these very unique circumstances. I can see this applying to someone who's a retiree who uh, now has decided to have their primary residence in San Francisco and move along around the country, seeing their grandchildren, seeing in all different states, and that's well within their right, and they should not lose their home. And I see this circumstance being very similar to that. So I don't. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with those statements. I think you're right that the rent law doesn't have RVs um, in mind. But I mean, but even before COVID and before sort of this RV lens, people people did this, right? These cases existed well before COVID existed. I think though that we don't know. I mean, one of the question marks is, you know, is is this person going to return? Right? Like that's the question. Other, if they're not going to return and they testified in the hearing, yeah, we're never coming back. I don't think you or I would be sitting here having this conversation, right? We'd agree that they, they don't live there anymore. But right now, the issue that I have is that they're using evidence that shouldn't have been admitted and shouldn't be considered. And I think the judge is probably going to get to the same result, but I'd like to see what the administrative law judge thinks without considering this letter. And that's what I'm asking for. I don't think we should make this decision. It's not our job, but I think we should require what the law requires is that we're assessing whether the tenant was a tenant in occupancy on the date the petition was filed on March 23rd, not a letter from September. I just, I don't think that's proper. And so I think we should send it back and just, I mean, you know, this is to the landlord a very big deal. and. To everyone else, like it's a unit, right? That someone else could be renting if they're not going to be in it. So, Mark, I, um, I would ask that the question be called. I'm not going to withdraw my motion. Are we ready for that? Any further discussion? Well, I, I wish to make one more comment as your non attorney here. Uh, when uh, this was proposed, and I, I'm dating myself. What we were trying to do was, uh, uh, obviously, this came through the Board of Supervisors, am I correct? And, and, and we yeah, helped with the rules and regulations with it. But we were looking at people that were in education. They went abroad or, or even at, at, in, in, at other parts of the country to further their education in order to get other degrees. Um, there were uh, you know, family situations that, that necessitated someone to be in another area. Uh, while they were taking care of, of, of their their family, I, it was it was very purposeful 
of, 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 of what we meant by, by uh, a, a residence and, and what it meant when you weren't there. And uh, what we have here is, is really abuse of that system. And I can tell you, this is a wake-up call for all of us to realize, going to do uh, the uh, comment earlier, uh, that with the advent with the emails and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the high tech, you can now basically set up anywhere you want to be, and and you can most of this information can be placed anywhere you want it to go. Doesn't you don't have to be there to to have a, a voting uh, 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 registration in a certain place. Uh, uh, you can pay PG&E any, from anywhere. I mean, it, 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 we, the, we have to realize that, that we're outdated with, with, the, with these criteria that we've got. And, and uh, for, for someone like this, who's financially very well established, to have this access um, really uh, is an abuse of, of, of having housing for the people that really need it. it for me. I, I agree with you that people having this, I mean, it seems to me that maybe there's some means testing. I just, I just don't, I think it's, it needs, a, it needs some kind of a, a structural or legislative fix, but I, and I've, I've just heard, you know, I, I'm not as persuaded as you are about this being a close call. I think sometimes a lot, I've seen judges say that as a diplomatic way of, you know, it's a close call, but I don't think that it's going to be this one thing. Um, it seemed to me there were a lot of things. I think this, I mean, despite the fact that we can be offended by it, I think that, that they, they fit within the ordinance. It's, uh, that's the problem for me. It's the ordinance, not the, I think the facts will apply correctly. But. Well, 1.21 isn't at all in the ordinance, right? These are rules and regs that we made, right? That we, we created this process to try to, well, then maybe it's, well, I think we should fix it, but. We can talk about that. Mr. Mossberger would love it if I started <laughs> revving that up. I, I think we should, because I think it's terribly unfair. Um, I'm really not that concerned about it because I don't think the Board of Supervisors would allow us to burn them up to this 1.21, but. Um, I do think that, you know, in kind of, if we're talking about throwing starfish back into the ocean, which is often what it feels like, I think there's a actual legal mistake here. And we can fix it. We can send it back and ask the ALJ to consider whether or not they would make the same decision under, I agree, an ordinance that needs to be, or rules and regs that need to be fixed, um, but whether they would make the same decision if they weren't considering that evidence. And maybe they say yes, maybe they say no, but this is a legal mistake and this is something we can fix. I think, uh, Commissioner Sani, just. I want to speak up unsolicited, but Commissioner Klein, just to speak to that issue about the evidence that uh, the tenant's occupancy kind of after the date that the rent increase or the petition was filed. You're right that the, the trigger date, right, or the kind of the date that we're looking at to determine whether or not a rent increase under 1.21 is authorized is that date that the landlord filed the petition. That's kind of, we're looking at the facts and evidence as of that day. Was a tenant in occupancy as of that day? But there are instances when evidence of what happened after that date is relevant to what was going on back on the trigger date. So for example, the tenants claiming they were temporarily absent from the unit, you know, but that they always had an intent to return, 
evidence that they did actually return gives credibility to their statement that their occupancy was temporary. So that's why I'm not speaking to this particular case, but there are instances when that evidence can be relevant. So you don't want to exclude it in every case. Well, I want to exclude it because it, that letter is undated. It presumably comes after, because it's undated, the September or the March date. And it's unsubstantiated. I think it's improper evidence. And I think legally, there could be a world where a letter like that could indicate a right to return, an intent to return. But that's not this letter. And I don't think this letter should have been considered. I think it's legally incorrect. Was so. it considered? Yes. Is it, and we know it that it was the basis of, it says that this determination is further based in part upon the tenant's credible, credible testimony that starting in September of 2023, he will be physically present. Part. It's just part of the. Well, I agree, but what, but then the, the ALJ says this is a close case. So what would the ALJ have decided if they had, if the ALJ had not had that letter? I don't know. I, I feel as though we're, we're seeing the same thing. I agree. So, and I feel like we could just resolve this by putting this up to a vote. Go for if it. the dispute is the 1.21, I always welcome you to provide any recommendations to the rules of regulation. If there's an area that we can approve upon it, but I, I feel like the argument's not changing. Well, the uh, uh, decision is made without prejudice. So uh, that'll be in our minutes that uh, the uh, uh, owner has the ability to continue with uh, his observations and, and come back uh, to the uh, uh, red board with, a, uh, uh, with a further information that may uh, be dispositive. I, 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 I know we don't operate as a regular court, but I, I, I wonder how many times evidence is utilized in, in, our, in our judicial system where you can say, well, I'm going to do this in six months or in a year, but give me the decision today. You know, that, that I don't see working very often in the judicial system or, or I, I hypothesize, but that's all I've got. Any further comments? Call for the vote. Deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbroker. Aye. Commissioner Sani. Aye. Commissioner, I'm sorry, President Gruber. No. Commissioner Klein. No. Commissioner Haley. Aye. Any officer's decision stands. And uh, Deputy Director, do you want to introduce uh, Alabama? Do we have extra uh, submittals or? Yes, President Cooper. So this is uh, agenda item C, 1863 Alabama Street Unit 2. Um, and there was a submission this afternoon by the tenant. The tenant submitted an appeal regarding this case. And right now on consideration is the landlord's appeal. So the question is whether we want to continue this item to hear them together. I'm sorry, are there two submittals in one from each side? Yes. So the and when did they arrive? So the landlord's appeal arrived previously. Let me look at the date on that one. The tenants appeal arrived today. Not see a tenant's appeal. The tenant's appeal um, was not included in the packet because it was not a general. Just got it today. Sure. There is a response to the landlord's appeal by the oh, tenant, right. but the tenant today provided an actual appeal. Well, I I 
should probably recuse myself oh, right this moment before we okay. get into any further. I have filed. I'm going to recuse myself. I've yeah. got the appropriate. Um, yeah, there's some work with the ethics committee, the ethics commission. I don't actually have a financial interest in this case, but yeah. to work for the agency that is representing the tenants, and I feel it creates uh, a conflict. Thank the appearance you. of a conflict. Thank you. Say what you did. I guess maybe ACLA. Well, she just told what she did to, 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 to recuse herself, right? Is that all she was talking yeah. about? Yeah, she didn't. Like, didn't talk. The diary told her, oh, she didn't see anything else. She just said, why should we just do something? Have you guys seen the appeal at all? No. You haven't filed an appeal on this case? <laughs> oh. Uh, so the submissions regarding this appeal, we have the landlord's appeal that was filed on November 22nd. Then the tenant responded to that appeal. And then today the tenant submitted an appeal. Okay. Yes. We have it? No, the appeal has not been included in today's packet because we just received it. But it has been filed. Yes. But it hasn't it hasn't been agendized, Commissioner Crow. Because it was just received. Okay. It hasn't been agendized. Yeah, yes. okay. There is. It's 10 days after the decision is mailed. Uh, what's, what's the deadline? Can staff just help me with it? It's 10 days after 15, 15 days after the decision is mailed. Yes. Okay. Because I know this goes on calendars at my office. People get really revved about this, right? Is there a good cause basis request for the untimely appeal? We are still waiting for information on the good cause for the untimely appeal. Either way, it's, it would we don't be agendized for next for, month. It would be on. For they are within period. the window as well. They're within 15 days of the mailing. It's of an untimely appeals. Oh, it'll still be agendized for next. And month. they filed the appeal, but didn't file the good cause for considering the appeal. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Any time. Find that one. Hard. Well, is, there, is it judicious to, to, to. Do we postpone the landlord's appeal I, as in a related? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see. I mean, based on the practice, practice we're going to take yeah, that's the true. We'll appeal. Next month. So this makes no sense as doing it now. Just get the whole thing. Just get the whole thing next month. Yeah. I'm going to read the packet twice. So. <laughs> yes, we will read the packet a second time. So. I mean, if you were to, if you didn't continue the landlord's appeal, then they have a choice. Okay. Yeah. Is there any way we can like really broadcast that the deadlines are real? I thought we updated it. Then we try to do a, a bold print type stuff. Is that it? Yeah, but it's a little different because we. Always accepted a timely appeals right. at the last minute. So it's like a little bit of a loophole in the process. Executive director? What do you think? Um, President Gruber, you know, with all due respect to the parties, these parties have appeared here at this venue, this forum a few times in my lifetime. So, you know, I think they're familiar with the rules. Um, you know, but it would probably make the most sense for everything to be considered at the same time, right? 
to have the full table in front of We would postpone it. Uh, so just to continue the item to the January 16th. Is that the, uh, the so yeah. staff would schedule the tenants appeal to also be considered. Would that be the consensus of the board? Yeah, I'm fine. All right, everybody okay? That's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. But I would, yeah. Really? What I really don't like is when we get something that we have to consider and we don't have enough time to read it. Right? Like, this is like we're going to just postpone the whole thing, but I would really like to find a way. You wouldn't be able to consider the tenant's appeal this Correct. No matter. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. Mr. Haley, okay to postpone? Okay. Uh, do we have to vote on the postponement? You can just agree to continue it. Everybody agree? We agree. We all agree. Yeah. Pardon, technically, sorry, it's an action item, so it'd be better to take a vote. Better to what? It would be better to take a vote. Okay, do you have a, a motion to delay? Continue the appeal. Continue the appeal to the next, yeah. Your, your motion? <laughs> uh, I motion to continue this appeal to our January meeting. Thank you. Good. A second? Okay. okay. Second. Got a second. Any comments? No comments allowed. Go ahead. All right. Motion to continue the appeal for the next meeting. Okay. Commissioner Sani? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Haley? Aye. Commissioner Crow? Aye. Okay, the uh, item is uh, into the new year. And uh, yeah, we need to get uh, Commissioner Mossbacher back. Thank you. But this was filed untimely, but not untimely enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're good. Okay, we'll move on to item B, 25 Francis Street. The subtenant appeals the decision denying in part their claim of disproportionate rent payment under rules and regulations section 615 C3. In the decision, the ALJ determined that the subtenant's lawful proportional share of the rent was $748.52 per month instead of the $1,000 per month initially paid, but that the subtenant failed to prove his aggregate rent payments to the master tenant exceeded his proportional share of the total rent. In the appeal, the subtenant claims that the decision did not fully consider the facts, including that he was the sole payer of rent during the subtenancy, that the master tenant failed to pour his rent payments to the landlord, that the master tenant refused to accept his rent from April to June 20, uh, 2023, that he was justified in withholding rent as there was an outstanding notice of violation from the Department of Building Inspection, and that his overpayments for the period from December 2022 to March of 2023 totaled $1,005.92. Move to deny. Second. Motion, I'm sorry. Move to deny by uh, Commissioner Foster. Any discussion? 
call for the vote. Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Aye. Commissioner Sani? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Haley? Okay, thank you, everybody. We just finished our appeals. Uh, we will now have item number seven, remarks from the public. It is now time for the second of two public comment periods this evening. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. You are encouraged but not required to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate you may hear a timer beeping and you will be informed your time is up. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time. Are there any members of the public that wish to provide public comment? Now that we have heard, um, um, now that there is no one in the room wishing to provide public comment, we can move on to the next agenda item, President Gruber. Sorry. What's that? Okay, we're finished with that item. Yeah. Then we move on. Sorry about that. My hearing's not very good here. Um, Then we move to item eight, communication. Evening, commissioners. This executive director, Christina Varner. Um, you should have received articles from the San Francisco Chronicle uh, departmental workload statistics for October 2023. And there is a memorandum uh, from the city attorney's office, ethics commission and controller's office regarding gifts and holiday parties. And that is all I have for communications. Any any questions regarding communication? Is that uh, all A, B, and C? Yes. Any questions or comments? Thank you very much. We move on to item number nine, director's report. Thank you. Uh, President Gruber, good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Varner again. Uh, firstly, congratulations to Commissioner Haley, who was reappointed and sworn in as our neutral alternate commissioner earlier today. Um, it felt like we were just getting to know you. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're very pleased you're reappointed, Commissioner Haley, um, and we look forward to working with you the next four years. So, thank you so much for. Uh, continuing to serve the community by being a part of the record. Um, and so with that, the, there was a group of four commissioners that were reappointed this fall and it took a while to get it, get it all going. Um, and so everybody's in, in good spots right now and uh, we have no, no uncertainties in terms at the moment. So that's great uh, to know. Um, so tonight, I would like to introduce uh, the rent board's newest employee, 
uh, to fill one of the new positions that has never previously been filled. Uh, Nancy Marquez has joined us as the rent board housing inventory and fee unit supervisor. Um, I'm not going to give you her number for speed dial. Um, Nancy comes to the rent board after working at the controller's office admin division as a professional services contracts analyst. And prior to that, Nancy worked at the MTA as a principal fair collections receiver, where she supervised a team uh, and handled all of the MTA fair collections. So she knows a little bit about numbers. Um, prior to that, she worked in private banking for Wells Fargo. Nancy has a BA uh, in business administration from SF State and a, an executive master of public administration from Gold, uh, Golden Gate University. I kind of feel like we won the lottery yet again. We have had a number of people join us who are, who are pretty amazing. Um, Nancy is already a huge benefit to our team. And, you know, you can see that with handling a lot of major data and um, financial data now, we have a greater expanse of experience and more diverse educational experience on the team, uh, which allows us to see things from greater perspectives and more effectively serve the public. So. We're really, really happy to have people like Nancy on our team now. Um, thank you, Nancy, for taking a chance on the rent board. Um, and you get to learn all about the commission tonight. So thank you. Um, a brief update on that same note uh, regarding the fee and inventory. So we saw the exemption period uh, for the rent board fee, the 2024 fee closed yesterday. Um, we had over 11,000 exemption requests. A lot of these are in addition to that original 20,000 from the first year. Um, and we've had over 8,800 reports into the housing inventory so far for the 2024 cycle uh, with over 6,500 licenses already having been granted. Uh, rent board fee invoices will go out in January. Um, and, you know, things are going to ramp up and be even busier than before. So. Um, staff are doing a great job and we're really um, working really hard to, you know, normalize things in our, our third cycle of the and inventory. Um, with regard, yes. Does any of this uh, information become part of our workload statistics? You know, I'm really hoping that it will. I think we're trying to figure out where that's going to fit. Because I think some of these numbers would be beneficial to be uh, available. I agree with you, President Gruber. We'll take note of that and figure out where we're looking at that. I have a related question. Please. Besides the absolute number of like 6,500 compliant people getting licenses, what percentage is that of the population of qualified rental units? I don't know. <laughs> what is the I'm so sorry. Say that again. What's the total number of, of uh, 6,500 is, is the uh, you know, it's property or units yeah. that could potentially be licensed? Yeah. I cannot say that for sure. I think last year we there were about 95,000 licenses issued. And six percent. But I can't say that you know. No, no, I'm not holding you to it, but roughly. I, I, we also can't say there may have been, you know, other others reporting this year that didn't report last year. So we're sort of just year by year building out the data and trying to figure out what what could be the total universe that should be, you know, obtaining licenses and uh, what actually is. So 
I'd be, I'd be happy to provide some more numbers in January. As it comes along, I would like to see yeah, that, that absolutely. Use, I think it's good public information. Absolutely. You know, and as we get closer each year to the March 1st date, there are obviously a greater number of, of people filing, right? So, on uh, reporting into the inventory. Well, if you want to increase your rents, you need to register, right? Yes. So, um, let's see. Sure, Thank you. Um, yeah, it might be just, I know that we are having so many, we have so many new divisions. We have so many, I guess, new things that we can track. It might be helpful for us to kind of be more, I guess, deep, see what other areas we can track, what other statistics we can track, but I might appear on the workflow sheet as well. With all due respect, and I remember you discussed this early on in your, um, there's a lot of things happening. Your, so brought your commission, commissioner, commissioned, um, uh, commissioner Sonny. Um, we are in the process of hiring a data analyst and I have a laundry list of things I would like <laughs> for this person to do. We, we are wanting to build our capacity in, in completely revamping our statistics. And so they're accessible in a different way to the public and yourselves, obviously. Um, but yes, I, I agree with that and adding some new things on and having them viewable and we can build out more things. Yeah. Is there a way, because um, certainly to find a way that we can be involved in that process as well as the public to kind of crack and see what are the appropriate statistics? I know the staff has certainly a great understanding of what statistics you need on your day to day um, and the metrics that kind of you track, but I think there might be some value including other partners in that process. Um, certainly recognizing that having a staff person assigned to doing that would be of great help, but even just like bringing out the roadmap for that process or kind of uh, just putting greater context to it might be a good way for us to be included so we don't go to, we're not, we can kind of be proactive while we're still waiting to fill that position. Sure, well, and I would be interested in hearing too if there are, are things that, you know, the commissioners feel are is important to know that, you know, our public need to know um, and perhaps that we're not taking into account. Now, there are some things that we, um, just give me one second, Commissioner Klein, you know, have to report, and I think you and I have talked about actually in our uh, performance measures, right? So that we have developed another report to the controller and they go into um, uh, issues. Right, the budget book annually. So, you know, it's, um, it's that and, right? Um, but, you know, I am, I am open for all sorts of ideas and discussion. I think what the thing is, is that there is a lot we want to do, but we, you know, at the present time, the capacity of doing so is a little challenging and, you know, baby steps in building it out. Commissioner Klein. You said you wanted, I, I have some feedback um, from the community on some things we could be doing. I think we change our forms like a lot and it causes, we don't publicize that the forms are getting changed, just like our disclosure forms that are required to be included with notices. And I think we don't communicate that these forms have changed and they, they are dated a different date than we actually put it on the website. And as a result, it causes huge problems with notices being served and entire cases. I, I think it's like a massive communication problem. Hmm. Um, we just, had two this past week that had to go around again because 
I'm sorry, which notice were you for? It was it was a notice that my office was preparing, but it's a requirement that I attach a rent board form. Mm -hmm. The forms sometimes, you know, we change the San Francisco the rent board's web address, right? And so all the forms had to change the web address because you had to say if you need more advice, go to the rent board's website and here's the web address. But we didn't publicize to the community or anyone else that these disclosures changed. And so if you had printed a form and included it in your notice, but you printed it the day before, you have the wrong form, right? It's not substantively different. We recently had one where the form had was exactly the same, but the date had been updated for some reason, which didn't make any sense. But that creates a whole set of like fallacious issues in the future. Opportunity. Opportunities for I mean, the forms can be identical, but it doesn't matter. It'll still be grounds for demur. You can, your lawsuit can be thrown out because of it. And I really think like, I think at the rent board side, you guys are just updating the forms, right? You're like, it's time to do this. We need to make this change. But the impact that it has on the community is huge if we don't push information out. I mean, we could have a place on the front of the website that says like, we've updated this, this has changed. But it really causes like massive issues. And the one we had last week where the form was identical, but for some reason the rent board changed the date, I can email it to you, Executive Director Garner, but it's like a huge problem. No, please, please, if there are things, you know, please send it. I've I've always I've always recommended that, you know, anybody who's, for example, serving forms or practicing, et cetera, to look you know, we do the day of yes. And what I'm what I'm telling there are a number of practitioners that have been using forms that are you know outdated by many years. So, but sometimes looking sometimes at sometimes you pull the form on the day you send it out, and then a new form gets released two weeks later with a backdated date. So I sent something out on December first. I pulled the form that day from your the rent board's website. I send it in the mail on December 1st. Then the rent board releases a new form and backdates it and says it's a November 21st form. Mm. But it's not, right? It's a brand new form. It's not my prior date on the one I sent that I downloaded on December 1st, that October 1st. And that can cause like, and when we're talking LSX, this wasn't you. Totally hear you. It's like a really big problem. And so, obviously, best practice download the form on the day. But what I'm, I guess, what I'm trying to oh, I, I signal here, which is that's not working anymore. We had to call back a couple, and it's just very expensive. And I think like it's causing a pain point. Um, hear what you're saying in the community. Please, please do send. I'll send you the most recent one. Oh, just as an example, and take a look at internal, you know, procedures and how we release things. Okay. No problem. I think that'd be awesome. And I think if it could be like, we're going to fix all the forms on this date, right? And this is the date. And then in 6 months, we'll do it again. But then, like, they constantly change is just so hard. Part of the problem is that the staff needs to change the forms in response to actions by the board of supervisors. And sometimes that's true. And we'll, we, as you too, are ready for that when that happens, right? Because we all know that the forms, but this is sometimes I think. A typo gets fixed and the form just gets randomly changed and backed in. Well, yeah, we, we also have. We I'm also, very familiar with the issue because I've heard 
a lot about Form 1007 over the last month from landlord attorneys and tenant attorneys about the change that we made regarding our office hours is what it was. So previously it said that we were open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now it says we're open 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we changed the footer date, right, which is just an internal tracking system. And I know it's caused a lot of disruption and UDs and whatnot. And so we, what we've decided was that going forward, especially forms that are attached to eviction notices, the date on the footer of the forms will always match the publication date on the website. We were unaware that that was um, that date was a detail that became subject to litigation. <laughs> now that we're aware, that date is going to match publication dates on the website going forward. Uh, okay. Thank you. I apologize. I. I, I mean, it's thousands. We, we thousands aware. Date is yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, we went on a journey there, but. No, no. Feedback is always really helpful. There more to write the report. There is more, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I appreciate this, Commissioner Klein. Thank you. And we have this really great problem now where we have a lot of staff to do work. And so when we're like, oh, that needs to be updated, that needs to be changed, it's like there are some things we have people to do it. And so, you know, things get cranked out, and, you know. Yeah, than something we were used to in the past. So thank you, and we'll we'll be very careful. About totally good. These are all great things, like growing pains as an organization for sure. But I might, yeah, as Commissioner Klein said, maybe having us once to it, like, yeah. um, like every quarter we update all the forms so that everyone knows, like, oh, it's the second beginning of the second quarter, unless it's an emergency. I don't think that going back to I don't know. I, with with what with all due respect, um, Commissioner Klein. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So if you want to continue, I was going to change. What you can finish now, probably. I was going to say, I mean, every quarter is. Um, is that too slow? Uh, that is way too fast. We. <laughs> if one needs to be updated, assume that it will be updated on a quarterly schedule. I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what you're saying. That's what, that's what the San Francisco Association of Realtors does. It. I sit on their forms committee too, and we release. I mean, sometimes change needs to be made, right? Because of ordinance or like. I mean, a lot of times the San Francisco purchase and sale forms have to change because of the landlord tenant laws changing, right? And so we'll push out a release of something at that point because we have to. But if we're doing general maintenance on the forms, it really needs to be, a, it, it can easily be a predictable schedule that practitioners on both sides can rely on. So for the petitions and forms that change on a yearly basis, we do have a schedule. Absolutely. We have like a tickler, you know, a certain time each year when. Uh -oh. Majority of the, 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 the high volume forms that are amended every year absolutely are on a schedule. What happened recently is that we got rid of a fax machine, we changed our website, we changed our counseling phone number, changed our office hours. We had all these changes that weren't like real substantive changes on the forms, but we were afraid that like the, a lot of the documents that had incorrect contact info for us were still floating out there. And we didn't update everything all at once because we didn't have the bandwidth. So instead, we kind of had to prioritize and kind of go with, you know, we've been basically making efforts towards it. And but uh, I, you know, but I agree that we, we would, we do want to have expected, you know, like dates each year when things get updated, unless there's some change in the law that, that you know. But I think we should be pushing everything towards that. Like, um, SFAR, if it, for, if it can wait, we just wait, right? And we just push it out with the regular, because like, 
unless we are really going to get good at messaging to practitioners on both sides, like it is madness. I remember when I first started practicing law in this area, I paid for like a bot that would scan the Remport's website and email me anytime you changed a letter <laughs> because it was the only way that I could keep up with the constant changes. And I think if we could get on a system, it would be more accessible, not just for baby lawyers, but for non-represented parties who don't know that they need to go scour everything to see what changes. Like, I, I think, you know, maybe we could have waited on the fax machine until end of Q1, which is when we make the first round of edits for the year or something like that. And then. And there's a number of forms, I think, where you know, there's real kind of like strict scrutiny of those forms for the purpose of an unlawful detainer. Majority of our forms are like rate sheets and things like that that aren't, you know, if we update something on it, on the footer of it, it shouldn't have any impact on any conflicts because it doesn't, it's just rate sheets, you know, well, but things like that. Like Rate sheets get included in the disclosure. I mean, like we just, once it's out there, it, it goes out there, right? And it becomes, I've had rate sheets in litigation before. Like it's happened. Rate sheet would still be accurate even if. Understood, but I, it would actually, it would support what you just said. I mean, having them updated on a, on a consistent schedule and you can apply staffing to that as we're trying to do with limited resources. So it completely supports what you just said. Um, and going back to uh, changes by the board of supervisors, even if we put like tentative forms out before the board of supervisor has approved something, that's still even like we can still say by that year quarterly schedule. I'm assuming we're still tracking the things that the board is doing, so we're probably are creating forms in response to that as the board doing every week. So I'm sure, yeah, even just like queuing those things up will just. I mean, what it is is just like there's certain rates that change every March first or every January first, right? Utility pass-through forms, capital improvement petitions, annual rent increases, interest rate on deposits, security deposits. Those are always updated on a like a specific date every year. New forms, you know, we don't usually create new forms all that often unless there's been some change. Um, so couldn't we just put the maintenance of the other forms on the same schedule? I think is what Commissioner Sonny is saying that you already have a schedule. So let's push everything onto that schedule. Yeah, just communicate that to the public that we're updating those forms on those dates. I I would also say I know that. We're trying to go more digital. We're trying to get rid of. Um, so I think you're just like getting this. Slide. I know, I know, I know. That's my wish, my wish. Um, but I, I do think they come through. I know, but I think we're working towards that anyway. So I do think having our having at least the cadence of communicating that these changes are occurring, because it'll be harder to track when it's online in a sense. Yeah. Um, so just having the the structure and the bus memory to the public to have those things built in just is just good practice. This is all really good feedback too. I really appreciate this and thinking through, you know, because we are going through this project of reimagining our own, our filing system, you know. Um, so that's like my concern because I don't know like what's happening on that side of things. If right. it be like forms or if it be what did we just talk about? Um, talk about something else like statistics. statistics. Like yeah. I would love to like we would love to give her opinions, but we just don't know that on this side. Um, and just from a practitioner standpoint, I do feel like sometimes there's just like chaos that even I'm, I'm a commissioner. I still don't even know. Like, what's people will be like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Right? Like, I will admit there was a lot of change. That's why I haven't been asking a lot of questions in certain periods. We've been doing a lot of staffing up. Like, 
there's no point. There's no point in like trying to do new systems when you're constantly staffing. But I do think we're getting to that point of stability. I think that's when our direction is going to probably change. Totally. We'll be asking all these questions more. Absolutely. No, that's. Those are some plans for 2024. Oh, look at that. We got to be excited. That's the way. Get excited. Everything's going to change in a no, I do. I do really appreciate this feedback, though, thinking of it as far as like how you would be using certain systems, right? As. As practitioners in the community, um, if you have questions, commissioner Klein, don't hesitate to call me too. I don't have questions and I'm not going to call you and be like, you change. I mean, like, I mean, I just, I have a legal feels. I mean, <laughs> look, we things happen and, and as lawyers, we know what to do. Right? But like another good example is all not always. Well, okay, yeah, true. Not always. We try. But all the fact sheets disappeared. Fact sheet seven is gone. Yeah, they're okay. Now <laughs> it's gone. And I I'm in on fact sheet seven for years too. to train clients on how to do their own. A lot of discussion about fact sheets. Now, I just said we, we did recently hire um fact sheet seven administrative analyst who's one of his primary jobs is to literally like kind of update the fact sheets, update the parts. That's why there's been a lot of recent changes. For now, because it can cost my clients thousands of dollars. It's a date. It's not. It's not, not accurate. Yeah, they're not accurate. Fact sheets are no longer accurate because they were. They were. They were. That's that would cost them. Did you fifteen years. Okay. Did you communicate the changes to us before you do that, or maybe I don't know. Well, there's like a so. It's a lot, but like. I know, but it, I've but, but like fact sheet seven saves my clients thousands of dollars if they can do it themselves. If I have a sophisticated client that can do it, we would. We would. Our staff loves the fact sheets. You know what I'm saying? Like you're at the counter and you're counseling. Yeah, and you're like here, somebody, and you're like, look, I'm gonna highlight this for you, and this is, you know, um, we love it too. But yeah, they're out of date, and we're working on getting those. Yeah, and that's great. I think again, like communication to like the community. That's like, hey, we're gonna take all the fact sheets down, like tomorrow. They're gonna be gone. I mean, that was like, it's hard, right? For us because we're like, wait, what happened to these resources? Once we have a number of yeah. members of the public hanging their hats on things that are outdated, no, that I agree with. to remove it from the website. So I totally agree with that, but I'm glad we have the resources now to get it updated. We can, yeah, no, it's, you know, the pandemic, the staffing, it. it's like, the, <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. And we do please provide feedback. And that's why I don't call like, Complain. I don't want to complain, right? But <laughs> help. So ask questions. It's my my question. Um, I think what would be helpful is for us to get a game plan. I'm like, we're going to be tackling this soon, and we're going to push this item a lot. Well, this is what we're carrying right now. So then there's like a so then we know how we can be involved in that process, and where we can kind of give our inputs, so that you're not too far down in terms of updating all the fact sheets. But we're like, well, that should be included in the fact sheet. That should be included in the fact sheet as an example. Or the same with forms, or the same with the website, or the same with, I don't know, something else. Um, so I think I, I personally have been like holding a lot of opinions because just because of all the changes we've done in 2023. Welcome, Barbara. Um, but I think 2024, having like a clear expectation will really help us to really support you and the rest of the staff. Is that it for the director's report? I don't think no, sir. No, not at all. Let's finish up the director's. I'm sorry, I went on a side quest. I just got some real feeling. I have to read it, but it was all 
It's my fault because I really had feelings about apparently fact sheet seven and so with regard to outreach and I know Commissioner Sani is you're always uh, interested to know this um, this Thursday Jennifer Rakowski will present um, on the rent board at one of our tried and true community connections which is at City College of San Francisco in their property management class um, the class is back in person now and. Um, we really value this collaboration and this uh, information sharing in the classroom setting um, and that future property manager students get straightforward information about what the rent board does and rights and responsibilities under the rent ordinance. So it was a very last minute ask um, and we're, but we're pleased we were able to, to uh, send somebody to present to the students. So that's great. Um, and that will be a December outreach. So. Just so it's on your radar, you know, it is December. Um, so we're moving into the fiscal year 24, 25 budget season. Um, you may have heard about the mid year uh, fiscal year 23, 24 cuts that affected many general fund departments. Um, and we were very fortunate to have been spared those mid year cuts. Um, so uh, our 24, 25 budget will look a bit different than the past couple years since we will not be carrying the tenant improvement project costs. And uh, we will have filled uh, most vacant positions. Um, and we will be required to uh, reduce any of our budget. That is correct, uh, President Gruber. We're very fortunate. Uh, is that good for two years? Or is that a. Uh, it's this year, I think it's, you know, it remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, so we will be discussing budget and. Uh, in, at the January 16th meeting in the first of two budget presentations um, that I will be giving you. Um, but our budget is going to sort of, you know, go back to a bit simpler budget as it was in previous years. A little, obviously a little larger given the number of staff, but a bit simpler. So, oh, but good news. Um, they have started construction phase of our tenant improvement project in suite 700 here in this very building. Um, so I'm just this week, just this Monday. So I'm thrilled. Where? We're in suite 700. Okay. So yes. So, uh, right across the building and above, um, we keep this as a, uh, as a, uh, conference room or. This conference room uh, is call. under the auspices of the Department of Public Health, so we um, sure. reserve it uh, monthly from them. This will not be our room, so ours to, to borrow on occasion. Um, we will be on the sixth floor across for the hall. The meeting, yes. yes. We intend to keep okay. this room, yes. Um, but we'll be on the sixth floor across the hall. Most of that finished work has been done already, and then the offices will be upstairs, and that's where some uh, major tenant improvements will be going on. But will that last through the end of May? So very exciting. Um, any other questions about that? And I promise we'll have a party at the end. Um, with regard to legislation, uh, just two items this evening. Supervisor Melgar uh, sponsored Board of Supervisors file number 231185, which is currently at land use. And 
quite lengthy. Um, the proposed legislation is an ordinance amending the planning code to waive the conditional use authorization requirement for removal of an unauthorized unit in a single family home where the owner satisfies certain eligibility criteria, waive the conditional use authorization requirement for removal of an unauthorized unit where that unit does not satisfy open space, dwelling unit exposure, or minimum floor to ceiling height requirements, update the required conditional use authorization findings for removal of an authorized unit to account for the history of tenancies in that unit and amending the administrative code to require that where an owner obtains an exemption from the CU authorization requirement to remove an unauthorized unit from a qualifying single family home, the single family home shall be subject to the rent increase limitations of the rent ordinance and affirming the planning department's determination under the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, and making findings of consistency with the general plan and the eight priority policies of planning code sections 101.1 and adopting findings of public necessity, convenience, and welfare under planning code section 302. That was a mouthful. Also sponsored by Supervisor Melgar and Presently at land use as well, uh, Board of Supervisors file number 231224, which is an ordinance amending the housing code to authorize occupants of residential dwelling units to sue a property owner for substandard housing conditions as defined in housing code section 1001, if the conditions pose a substantial risk to the occupant's health and safety. An occupant who prevails in the lawsuit could get attorney's fees uh, an order that the owner must remedy the violation uh, and or actual damages. If any of the occupants were younger than 18 or older than 65 or disabled, then the owner could have to pay up to three times the occupant's actual damages. And like I said, that is just at land use right now. That would be an expansion to the rent ordinance, the second legislation. That would be the housing code. That's on Melgar's uh, desk? Yes, both of those items. Is that a Tobner uh, special project? He already had the right to sue. Right? I know, but we all, we have it. It's it just that uh, it's a full employment act. Uh, yeah, we needed it, that. They have all, all the safeguards, and yet they, they need to add another layer. I, I don't quite get it. Um, lastly, I look forward to seeing some of you at the holiday party this week. Two days. I believe so. We, I see that in the minutes there was a proposed schedule for our meetings for 2024. Did it get finalized yet? So the meetings are always, uh, I guess, Commissioner Haley, there's technically tentative until they're actually scheduled. Um, technically, so yeah, if there was a, if there was some sort of, um, Conflict that you have, we can we can look at the dates. I just was trying to understand: is it this? It's the second Tuesday, basically. No. Typically, although it gets moved around a little bit, the February meeting is going to be a bit earlier. We do have to have two meetings um, before we submit our budget, and there's a lot of moving parts during budget season, um, and so we just you know wanted to make sure we have adequate time. Uh, but mostly, it's the second Tuesday. Do you have it? Could I just jot them down? Something. I could send it to you. Would that work? Okay, great. We can send that out to everybody again. I think it was in, I don't know if you received the packet for last month, but yeah, it was in last month. Oh, the date in paper form. If you have that, we can send yeah. it again. 
Yeah, but the first meetings are January 6th and then February 6th, um, which is a little bit early, but then we're back on like, I don't know, March 16th or something like that. February 6th. Yeah. There's a few it changes between second and third, depending on the month. Yes. Um, when it comes to the, like, thank you for the report. Um, when it comes to just presentations by the rent board uh, to the community, have we ever done like a feedback or asked them for feedback on the presentation itself? Or um, dealing with topics discussed as well as kind of just ways to improve it has ever been included in that? Say that one more time, that last part. Uh, public feedback on the presentations that are provided to the public uh, based off of topics discussed and uh, or topics missed that they would like to know more on. Mm, like formalized feedback? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's typically, we, you know, we don't typically conduct that type of request. Like, a lot, often, uh, you know, what we do is sort of like, for example, with the class that's going to happen this Thursday, and this is a class we, a number of us have presented at in the past, you know, we get input from the instructor about what, you know, what would fit in the class to present about. Um, and you know, with that type of, and the, some things we've done recently, like uh, presenting in August uh, in the, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, it was a training for Spanish speaking housing counselors. And that was conducted at uh, a community resource center, you know, sort of like working with um, the coordinators ahead of time to find out, you know, tailor it to their needs. Okay. I think so. I guess if it's more, I guess, generalized community focused, maybe providing that spoke, uh, that option, at least the opportunity for participants to provide feedback on the presentation so that there's sure. a natural feedback loop. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments? Going um, back to, to Melgar's uh, uh, legislation, where does that sit right now? Is, is that a. Uh, Both at land use still. They, they're at land use. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is that it for the director's report? That is it. <laughs> Moving rapidly forward. And we move on to item 10, old business. Proposed amendments to rules and regulations section 10.10 regarding tenant right to or, uh, organize legislation. I'm still taking feedback from the community. Give me a little bit longer. We're still working through it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Anybody yeah. else? We're okay. I'm okay with that. Everybody okay? Fine. We don't have to vote on that, do we? Do not. Okay. Great. We're all okay. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to item 11, new business. New, new business. And uh, uh, before we... I guess we can go to calendar items. Please. Item 12, are we okay? Uh, item 12. So for um, calendar items, uh, we have the January 16, 2023 regular in-person meeting here in uh, 25 NS Avenue, room 610. And for consideration of appeals, we have two appeal considerations. Uh, for the reader of the Raymatouche alone, you land acknowledgement. Um, I believe it's Commissioner Haley. 
And uh, we have our uh, Christmas party. Is everybody invited? Long ago. Pardon, uh, President Kruber. Yes, it, we call it a holiday party. Episode. A holiday party. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yes, everybody, nearly all of staff will be going. Very yeah. yeah, and I know a few commissioners will be in attendance. There's still going to be the white elephant. There is no white elephant uh, this year, Commissioner Sparker. I had some stuff to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was... There's no Walgreens across the street from us anymore, so people can't run and get a last minute, you know. Did it have to go to because of the, just the way things change? Or is there a reason? Is it just a few different things? You know, it was pressure on people who don't necessarily want to participate in that type of activity. Pretty much participated. <laughs> it was very competitive. <laughs> interesting dynamics always came out. But what was the uh, favorite item and what wasn't it? Whatever. Uh, out of sight. But well, as we get uh, staffed up for next year, let's uh, keep that as a possibility. Okay. The option of opting out. And bring back some of our former commissioners. Do we do we uh, invite uh, former commissioners too? For for uh, the mostly former staff that are deciding to attend. Right. Yeah. Well, it will be it will be a nice a nice group. Very exciting that we're Thank doing. Thank you for putting that on. Yeah. Um, any more information or comments? Uh, we're adjourned. Thank you very much and Thank happy you. holidays and holidays. Am I saying that right? Happy holidays. Is that okay? Yes, thank no, you. No, I don't work holidays. <laughs>